Welcome to the Business End of the Leash, the podcast where I get real about how dog trainers, just like you, can level up your business in a way that's sustainable, scalable, and stops your business running you. I'm your host, Erin Moore, and I'm a dog business strategist who helps dog trainers niche down and level up their services, client results, income, and free time. Hello, hello. Today, I want to talk to you guys about how adding an online component to your business can really help things become sustainable and scalable. Now, hear me out. You're going to want to listen to this. Don't tune out because I've said online and think that I'm talking about an online course because I'm not. The problem that I see a lot in the way that dog trainers businesses are set up is that they rely mostly on one-to-ones, group classes, or board and train. That's typically what most trainers rely on. Now, those, while they certainly work to some degree, otherwise, you know, nobody would be doing them and we wouldn't be getting any results with clients. They aren't the most effective way for the dog, for the person, or for the trainer. And they can feed a lot of frustration for all three of those two. Now, I've seen some shift since COVID. A lot of trainers, you know, pivoted because they had to and learned how to do some things online as well. But An online program or an online course is not the same as having an online component to your business. And stay tuned because I'm going to tell you what that looks like. And I also see a lot of trainers waiting and wanting to go back to normal, to going back to in-person, back to group classes, back to -to one-to-ones. And that's what I want to talk to you about today because focusing on one-to-ones and group classes and board and trains actually contributes to creating a lot of the issues that are most frustrating for dog trainers. So things like, quote unquote, non-compliance in clients. And I say, quote unquote, because I don't really believe there's anything as a non-compliant client. I think there's environmental factors in there. And one of them is group classes, one-to-one learning and board and trains. So it creates non-compliance. It also contributes to dropout rates for people just not following through. It can create in the human client a lot of frustration around your method's not working and then going off to find another trainer who will get them quicker, better results. It can also lead to clients feeling frustration towards the dog and towards you if they aren't getting what they think they should be getting out of the training because they don't know what they don't know, which is that the setup for it is not the best way for them to learn. And here's the thing about it. Even when those things do work, it's still not the best, the most effective, the most efficient that it it could be. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're one of my favorite dog trainers, then you didn't get into the industry to be kind of meh about your help. You didn't get into the industry to be like, yeah, okay, well, it's good enough. You really want to help. You really want to offer stellar levels of help and support and results for your clients. So in order to do that, the best way is to stop focusing on the dog's learning and start focusing on the human's learning. So let's get into why these things don't work, and then I'm going to get into what to do instead. So group classes, in my opinion, and I'm not saying this in any kind of shamey, blamey way, I used to run 12 fucking group classes a week, but what I learned and what I believe is that group classes are flooding for the dogs, for the puppies, and for the human learners. They are not an environment or a setup that works really well for focus or for concentration. And as human beings, we don't multitask well. And if we did, then texting and driving wouldn't be dangerous. So we don't multitask well. And 
picture for a second. You've, you've all seen it. If you do group classes, you've seen those clients. They're so busy focusing on what their puppy is doing. And they're trying to like get the puppy's attention. And the puppy wants to get to the other puppy or is chewing on the chair or chewing on their foot. And they're trying to manage puppy. And now they're trying to listen to what you're saying. And they're, it's a fucking shit show. Even for, let's take adult classes, life skills classes that don't have puppies, depending on the dogs, it can also be a complete fucking shit show. Now, you also want to consider your human learners. A lot of them are neurodivergent. And let's say that presents for them in a way that sound sensitivity is like for me, I'm incredibly noise sensitive. And Teaching classes used to make me so fucking twitchy because of it, but I did it because, well, that's what dog trainers do. But a lot of your clients are going to have similar things. There's going to be sound sensitivity. There's going to be noise sensitivity. There are going to be people who have hearing difficulties. There's going to be people who cannot focus in that environment. And there is too much going on for people to be able to absorb information. Now I'm going to get to some stats and numbers around how we absorb information in a second, but we'll talk about that when we get there. So there's too much going on in a group class for people to absorb information in a way that means they can effectively and efficiently go home, implement all of the training that you want them to do at home, and then come back the next week with all of that already done. Plus people don't know how to generalize. They don't know how to generalize what they're learning. And so learning in a class setting does not automatically transfer over. And for most people, it, it doesn't ever end up transferring over to cool. Now my dog does this at home too, or while we're out on our walk or at the park or wherever they need them to do it. And what ends up happening is instead of them understanding that the group class was the issue, they go, this fucking dog. Hey, if you're enjoying the show and getting fired up about how you can implement some of these changes to level up your business, Make sure to book your spot to have a chat with me about how I can help you do just that. You can book through my website at dogbizcoach.com. Okay, back to the show. So let's talk about one-to-ones for a second. Now, they're definitely better than group in that there's less distraction, but there's so much going on in a one-to-one setting too that doesn't work well for the human learner or for the dog or for you. Now, We've all been there. We walk into the client's house. Maybe it's the second or third session where their dog knows who we are, knows we have the treat pouch, knows we speak their language and we're clear about what we want. And so is uber focused on us and our treat pouch and what we're doing. Less so focused on their owners, less so focused on working with their person. That can bring up a lot of shame and envy in the people Tell me you haven't heard this. People saying, well, yeah, he does it for you, but as soon as I take him, he doesn't. Or as soon as you leave, everything changes right? Because the environment and the format of one-to-ones feeds that. It's not set up for the dog and the person to work well as a team together. Let's say you work with um, dogs where there's fear issues involved too. That dog may not want you in your space. And taking money from clients and spending hours and hours with you just showing up at their house to try to desensitize this dog before you can get to doing any fucking training is not ethical in my opinion, and it's not the best way to do it either, especially not when we have way better options easily available to us that we just have to learn how to do. Going into other people's homes can also be a major safety concern. One, from the perspective of if you're working with dog behavior where there's a risk of, bite, of bites happening, 
you know, saying to a client, okay, cool, just make sure that their inner crate or in the backyard or tied up when I get there is not always going to happen. So that can be a safety concern from that perspective, but also you are walking into people's homes that you don't know. For some people, they don't even think twice about that. That's not an issue. For a lot of people, that's really concerning and can bring up some really big feels around working with clients. That was a thing for me. I used to require people to come to my facility for the first couple sessions before I would go into their home because my own trauma shit meant that I was not comfortable or didn't feel safe going into strangers' homes. So there's a safety concern to that too sometimes. Let's take a look at how information is delivered in both group classes and one-to-ones. So in group classes, you're talking to or talking at a group of people. You cannot stop and take the time with each and every one that you need to to make sure that they understand. You cannot get to everybody. You cannot take it slowly enough to make sure everybody understands it and still get through your curriculum for the night and through your curriculum for the six or eight weeks that you're doing. For one-to-ones, it's the same. You're delivering information by talking at the person. Now, here's what happens when we have group classes or one-to-ones with people. We know that we have limited time with this person. We've either got six or eight weeks, or we've got one session, three sessions, six sessions, however many sessions the person has said they want to buy and can afford to buy. We've got that limited amount of time to get through a whole fucking bunch of information with them. We know that we've got this limited time. And so we try to cram as much information as possible into that limited time because, wow, you need a whole bunch of information in order to get this behavior change. But then what ends up happening is we end up just whacking our clients over the head with a dog training encyclopedia and hoping that enough of it sinks in and gets absorbed to make a change and so that they really understand it by the time we get to the end of our one session, three session, six session, six weeks with our clients. Doing one-to-ones also lacks a lot of support in between sessions. Now, I know a lot of you listening offer email and phone support, and that's fantastic. I love that you're trying to offer support for your clients, but you are only one person, and you have other clients, and you need some downtime, and you need sleep. And so what happens in between those times where you are not available and accessible to your clients for that to give them that support? Let's also talk about the way our brains work as people. So we absorb about 30% of what we hear when we're listening, when we're being talked at. So of everything that you are talking about in that one-to-one session, they're absorbing about 30% of it. Now, granted, yes, we definitely absorb more when we are shown something, right? So we absorb about 80%. But here is what I really want to hit home about this is demoing with the dog in a one-to-one or in a group class you're going to have less than that 80% absorption rate because it's completely new mechanical skills that your people have to learn before they can do anything close to what you're doing. And with that demoing, let's talk about that for a second segue. With that demoing, we very often, we rely on demoing for people. And I hear, I heard this a lot when COVID hit and people started moving online and trainers were like, I don't know how to do it without demoing. Because demoing is easy for us, but A, the client doesn't necessarily absorb it. B, we very often can contribute to shame and embarrassment and frustration for the person when they're trying this thing that you just made look so fucking easy because you've got 15 years of mechanical skill practice and they're trying to learn this in an environment where the dog is like, oh my God, but I want to go to that person because you listen to me and you know what, when to talk to me and when to feed me. And 
and and we can actually contribute to emotions and an environment for the person that means they're absorbing even less people also forget more than half of what they learned after 1 hour they will forget more than 70% of what they learned after 1 day and forget more than 75% of what they learned after 6 days yeah but that's why i send notes and emails and follow up uh, email responses i hear you saying well yes and so many people just don't fucking read them and because in order to get through all the information that you need to get through because we go back to you don't have enough time to work with the person to actually get the change that they're looking for if they're doing one session three session or a six week set of classes with you you are overloading those emails and notes to make sure that they've got every single little bit of information that you think is relevant to them a lot of people are like wow tldr I can either read through this 19-page document or I can go watch Netflix after a long, hard day at work. Huh. Which one am I going to do? That writing out of all of those notes and information and training plans is also not a really effective or good use of your time. And it's one of the things the trainers spend the most time doing. There is a better way to do it all. But first, let's look at board and trains. So, Board and trains work really well from the hands-on perspective that you are now helping this dog understand and learn, and you're not necessarily trying to teach a new learner mechanical skills to teach a new learner, right? But some of the ways that board and train does not work really well is it's such a heavy drain on your time. And what do you do with the dogs in between their set training time? Now, we all know we don't train with dogs for six hours at a time. We have our set training time that happens throughout the day, and then what? happens to those dogs in between that time? Where are they? What enrichment are they getting? What social time are they getting? What, who's watching them during that time? It requires intense amounts of your time and your mental and emotional energy during your non-training time. From a behavioral perspective, how many dogs can you take on at once? How many dogs is safe to take on at once? How many dogs can you give your time and focus and attention to at once? You're kind of dependent on either having a facility or having a home that is zoned to be able to work out of. You're also dependent on you being there and doing the work. There's no way for any of that to work without you. So if you get sick or if you get hurt or if you, I don't know, get trapped in a snowstorm and can't get back to the facility, then what? There are often gaps in the handover to the human clients too. This is one of the biggest concerns and problems I see with trainers who do board and train. There are gaps in the handover for people. And this again comes back to because the way that those those handover sessions are done are not done in a way that work really well for the human learner. Remember, forgetting 30% of it after an hour, 70% of it after, and, and again, Same thing with yes, but that's why I send notes, right? The same issues exist in there too. Another thing with board and train is it feeds people's unrealistic expectations of the amount of work that they have to do. Now, some trainers are really good at setting those clear expectations with their clients when they're talking to them, right? Maybe you are, but people, a lot of people who want a magic wand waved and their dog fixed are drawn to board and train for that reason. And then you have a lot of unhappy people 
months later if they are not keeping up with the training in the way that they're supposed to and helping their dog generalize the learning once they've come home. Now, again, this stuff obviously works to a, to a degree or we wouldn't keep doing it, but it is not the absolute best way that we can do things. I also want to just remind you guys that for you doing group classes, one-to-ones or board and train, the travel time that you have to do, less so for board and train, but for one-to-ones and group classes, that travel time is absolutely wasted time. Sure, you might be listening to podcasts or listening, you know, doing learning or, and that's fantastic, but it is time in the business hours that is wasted. I'm going to talk to you about your time balance in a second here. So that travel time is a waste of time. Board and trains, one-to-ones and group classes are not scalable. What I mean by that is you're going to hit a cap of how many dogs and people you can help in a day, how many dogs and people you can help in a month, which means that you're going to hit a cap of how much money you can make and how many people you can help and how many dogs you can help. And where I see this being problematic is where dog trainers are working way more hours than they should. They are exhausted because they keep saying yes, because someone else needs help. And you're like, well, shit, my entire schedule is full. But if I say no, this dog doesn't get help. This person doesn't get help. The entire business is dependent on you being mentally, emotionally, and physically healthy and able to work being in front of your clients every single day. So if you, again, if you get sick, you get injured, you end up in the hospital, something happens to stop you physically being able to be there and your entire business falls apart. So let's look at an alternative. What I teach my clients is what I call a blended program. Now, this is not a new concept. This exists in so many different industries. It exists in the dog training industry. A couple different coaches that I know teach this. So a blended program adds in an online component to what you're already offering. And yeah, maybe we tweak what you're already offering too. Most cases we tweak what you're already offering too. But a blended program adds in that online or a couple of online components so that your client's access to information and support is not dependent on you physically being there or having the physical, mental, and emotional time and space for that. Your clients aren't dependent on you, right? It allows you to scale, which means that you can help more people and more dogs without it costing you more money to do so. Learning happens in a way for your human clients that works for their brain. That means they can get the repetition that they need. That means they can absorb the information better. That means they can focus better, which typically means that we see about four times better results with the information that you're already giving people. Trainers freak out sometimes when I say, adding an online component because what they envision is like a YouTube channel or having an online course or, and a lot of the pushback that I hear is that, well, I don't want to lose the human connection with my clients. And that's fantastic. If that is you, I love it. You are my people because that human connection is one of the most important parts of that. But here's the beauty of learning how to put a blended program together. It's not an online course. It's not a YouTube channel. It is a way of presenting learning and videos and information combined with an in-person component to it so that you actually create and develop better relationships with your clients. The humans can focus 
on their learning, which means that the dogs can focus on their learning. And then your one-to-one time with your clients, however you end up setting that up, becomes about tweaking and proofing the human behavior, not about delivering new information by whacking your client over the head with a dog training encyclopedia. Blended programs also require a longer time commitment from clients too. And trainers sometimes worry that what if they won't sign up for it? But here's the thing. When people understand, when you know how to sell your blended program and people understand the value to them, they are really, really happy that they've got that extended time with you. So adding that online component means that your clients are learning, they're doing homework, they're getting support, they're asking questions and getting feedback while you aren't there. So again, I'm going to say, because it needs repeating, I'm not talking about an online course. Now, can you do a blended program in a less blended way and just operate virtually? Yeah, of course you can. I have a couple of clients who decided that that was the way that they wanted to do things. Um, You know, there were some uh, health concerns with uh, lowered immunity with, you know, around COVID and just not feeling comfortable meeting in person. Built a phenomenally successful business doing virtual only. So you absolutely can. However, it doesn't mean that you have to. Adding an online component also means when when their learning is not happening face-to-face, it takes away a lot of the issues that we were talking about around uh, why one-to-ones are not the most efficient and effective way. So in order to have a sustainable business, so one that will keep going, that isn't going to burn you the fuck out, that can keep going during COVID, during another pandemic, should that happen, during whatever happens in your life and your world, your business needs to not depend solely on your time and you being able to physically be there. You need to have some automated processes happening as well to free up some of your time. You need to be making enough money. And here's the thing. Making enough money doing group classes and one-to-ones is really hard to do because you need to be hitting, if you want a business that's going to be sustainable and growing, you need to be hitting the 80-20 balance in business, which means that 20% of your time in your business hours, so 20% of your business hour time should be spent face-to-face in front of clients so that 80% of your time can be spent on your business, building content, doing marketing, doing sales, client feedback, um, admin, taxes, all of that stuff that needs to be done in a business, but that most dog trainers have backwards and they're spending 80% of their time working with clients and then trying to shove all of that other stuff into the 20% of the time, which does not work. And so that bleeds over into your evening time and your weekend time. And you're suddenly sitting at your fucking computer, writing out training plans at one in the morning when you've already missed family dinner to try to catch up with all of it. So if you want to have that 80-20 balance in place, it's almost impossible to financially make the money that you need to make to be not just surviving, but thriving in business and still having that time balance. But having a blended program allows you to do exactly that. In order to scale a business, 
Again, you need to have a business that's not dependent solely on your time. You need to have some automated processes. You need to be making enough money. You need to have that 80-20 balance, but you need to have a program that has space for more people than you can see in person in a day. So I want to tell you a little bit of a story about my kind of journey into blended programs. So I was a dog trainer for about 13 years at that point, and I had a giant facility because at the time I believed that I was the only science-based trainer at the time in my city. And I believed that if I wanted to, you know, help more dogs and people that I had to have the biggest facility. So I went ahead and grew too quickly, took on a larger facility way too quickly. So I had this facility, I was running 12 classes a week. I had two to three one-to-ones a day on top of those 12 classes a week, about seven days. Yeah. Seven days a week. Just me. I had, I had an assistant helping me out with some of the classes, but I was still doing all of the work. I had a wait list. Uh, I was working with everybody that came across. I didn't have any kind of way of, of narrowing down who I was working with. People could just sign up right through my website. I was working with all kinds of interesting fucking people. I got really good results with my clients. I had a five-star ranking on Google. I made what some people would consider good money. So I made about eight grand a month and I was burnt the fuck out. I had no time for my own dogs and my own life. And I hated my business because I was so resentful and angry and tired. So I reached out to a coach and I got some help and I learned what I now teach. And when I understood the concept of a blended program and I dove in and switched and launched my first blended program. I ended up within a month of launching my blender program. I dropped my facility because I wanted to, I didn't want to have a fucking facility anymore. So I dropped the facility. I was working only with niche clients, which meant that the result rates that my clients were getting skyrocketed through the roof. And I had a way better fucking time working with clients who ticked every box for what I needed clients to tick. I, went down to working about between five and eight hours a day, four to five days a week. And I had downtime. I had weekends and I was really boundaried around that time too. I wasn't responding to emails and phone calls and stuff. That was my lifetime, my time with my dogs, my time with my family, my time with myself. And I was comfortable to do that because I knew that even though I wasn't doing or even thinking about business stuff, my clients had support during that time. My stress levels dropped like you cannot fucking believe I got my life back. And I went up to making about 18 grand a month. Now, here's the truth. No matter how much you love what you do and how much you love who you help, we as human beings are not built to work all the time. So we need to have businesses that support your clients in their journey and have them feel held and heard and supported from start to finish and still allows you to take the downtime that you need to take while making the money that you can make. So for me, there was also an additional piece that learning how to do a blended program was super important. There was a mental and physical health piece to that. So depression and anxiety have been something that I have battled, grappled with my entire adult life. And at the time that I, I was telling you about with the facility and everything, I was also recovering from a, a pretty bad car accident that took me about two years to come all the way out to the other side and recover from. And there were 
days that my mental health and physical health, it was almost impossible to get out of bed. Some days it was impossible and I ended up needing to cancel on clients. I canceled classes and one-to-ones way more than I was okay with. I had a lot of shame around that because my depression or anxiety kicked in. I couldn't leave the house. I couldn't get out of bed. Or I was in so much physical pain that I wouldn't have been able to work with the dogs anyway. So I needed to learn how to set up a business that meant that I could be flexible with my time and take the days where I needed them without my clients being dropped last minute and without me losing any money when I did take those days. So adding an online component to your business has so many positive, life-changing impacts for your canine client, your human client, and for you. Thanks for hanging out with me. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to leave a review, hit subscribe, and share. Links to all the ways that you can stay connected and updated about this podcast and my programs are in the show notes. See you next time.